Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to ask everybody to come on in and find your seat. <clears throat> Looks like our numbers are down a little bit today. That's because there's a big deal going on here at TBC this weekend. Did you guys notice in the parking lot looks a little different? <clears throat> this is our garage sale weekend. And this is a garage sale that benefits missions local and abroad. And so we would love for you to come and shop tomorrow night. Tomorrow night we're open at, at 6 p.m. It's a $5 entry fee to come in tomorrow night. But you can come and go shopping, and then you can go to the Matt Marr concert at 7 over in the, main, in the main building. And Mission House is also going to be joining them. They're the two girls that sang that song that we, that we heard a couple of weeks ago, Yet Not I, But Christ in Me. They were, they were the two girls um, that were part of that, that group. And they're going to be opening for Matt Marr tonight, tomorrow night. Hope you can come. Next thing is Sunday, this Sunday, right here in this room at 3 p.m., we are having our Embrace Grace baby shower. And I just want to tell you guys, thank you. If you, if you want to just peek your head in this closet when you leave, you will see the over 100 gifts that you all contributed to, all wrapped and ready to go in there. It's amazing. So all the gifts are bought and wrapped. All you have to do is just show up and just show grace to these amazing women who've been a part of this program this this semester so i hope you can come everybody's invited we cannot have too many people three to five on sunday and then lastly registration is open for our cultivate retreat it will be a day retreat also in this room april 29th a saturday it's going to be awesome you guys i really hope you can come um we are going to have um an amazing singer-songwriter here with us all day. Her name is Caroline Cobb. I want to encourage you to go listen to her music. She's, she's phenomenal. She's going to be leading us in worship in the morning and in the afternoon. She's going to be taking us through the story of God from, generation, from gener Genesis to Revelation in one concert set. It's going to be amazing, and she's going to be weaving in the story as she goes. Her stuff is just so great, and I really, really want you guys to hear her. The cost for the whole day is $25. You would pay that easily just to go hear her in concert. But this is going to include lunch and a book and lots of re resource materials. It's going to be a great day. So please, please sign up if you were going to come. It helps us a lot if you sign up. You can pay later. You can pay the day of. But if you sign up, it just helps us to know. Um, how much to plan for. All right, we're going to jump right into the lesson this morning. We're going to worship at the end of our time today, so I'm going to invite Katie back up on the stage. <clears throat> and Katie McRae is with us again. Yeah, give her a hand. All right. <laughs> we're going to pray over Katie, and then she's going to teach us this morning. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for all that you have taught us this week about who you are, your patience with us, your kindness, your long-suffering nature. God is so, so good to us. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for just the simplicity of the word being so near to us in our heart and on our tongue. And we thank you, God, that you have that you've made your home with us. You are Emmanuel, 
So we just, we just praise you today. Would you, would you teach us now from your word, using Katie, but God, would you be the one that speaks to us? Holy Spirit, would you be the one that convicts us and trains us? And, and God, we just trust you that you have something to say to us, and we look forward to what that is. Pray blessing on Katie that you give her courage and just the ability to share what you have given her for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Well, there's a few less seats filled up, so it's less to be nervous about. So I'm super grateful to have the chance to speak to you all again. Romans 10, like really all of Romans, is packed with all the things that we have to consider. I had the great privilege of taking a Romans class not too long ago um, with a very tough professor. And he was great, don't get me wrong. But uh, going into the class, I came in kind of pretty sure of myself, like, I've done a couple studies in Romans, I'll be all right. But God, just like always, uh, gently walks me back around to something that I think I've mastered and says, look again. So here I am getting every paper back with notes like, you have failed to connect the dots here. (laughs) What's the larger implication? And my all-time favorite, no Christianese, please. (laughs) So this wouldn't be easy, and I couldn't fake it. How humbling. So one thing I kept missing was the God in Romans is the God in Genesis and the God in Revelation. He didn't go from the God of obedience to the God of love. He is God of everything. And he wants our love and obedience and has always wanted that. So this wasn't a big change. He's been telling us about his son from the beginning. Was it possible that just like our Jewish friends, I wasn't hearing Paul? God is so good to tell us to look again. So today we're going to look at three truths. Oh, no. (laughs) There is a Lent worship night. Yes, that's true. (laughs) And they are that you cannot be righteous in yourself. The offer is simple, and he is the only way. So we're going to start at the beginning, another emotional plea from Paul. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. And as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. So Amy was good to point out Paul's emotional plea last week because of his deep love for these people. And you can really hear Paul's angst again. He's wrestling with this idea that his Jewish friends, he's traveled beside, he's ate among, he's prayed with, they were in danger of never grasping that his righteousness was the way. I want to take this in for just a minute. These Jewish people have been away for five years. They're back now. And the Gentiles are like, come on, man, you'll just reject everything. Just, y'all are so extra, just go off and do your own thing. Paul's like, no, don't give up on them. 
I know what enthusiasm they have. They are so close. And I could just see Paul tossing and turning at night thinking about this. His Jewish brothers and sisters had followed God's commands the best they could. These weren't lawless, wayward people just out doing whatever they wanted. They wanted to please God. But by refusing to hear the truth about Jesus, they were wayward. They were not choosing the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. They were choosing their own path of righteousness. So let's take another look at righteousness this week. You cannot be righteous in yourself, right? The word righteousness is covered in Romans 35 times and over 30 verses. And for those of you that need the receipts, I've put them there. So... <laughs> <laughs> the Greek word for righteousness is dakaosun, and it refers to the standard of conduct that God requires of mankind. This conduct can only be produced by the Holy Spirit of God. It is not something a man can do in his own strength. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and we put our faith into what he did for us, then righteousness his righteousness is now written to our account. You cannot be righteous in yourself. So I love this visual. <laughs> Go ahead and take a picture. Share it with your families. <laughs> I love this visual because it really shows what self-righteous looks like. There's no source of power here. <laughs> There's nothing to plug into. It's not sustainable, and it keeps running us in circles. There's no real truth, no real plan, and we are left searching for something. Speaking of God's reminders to look again, this past week during small group, one of the guys in our group was telling us about a young man that he worked with. Uh, he said this young man had told him that he needed to do whatever he needed to do to make sure he didn't burn in hell. And I was brought right back to Romans 10 thinking about this young man and this deal he was trying to make with God. And it actually made me think of my dad. So my dad, he's a former Marine. Now if he were here today, he would tell you that he's been reti retired for 20 years, but he's still a Marine. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> Our talks of G about Jesus have never got quite plugged in, if you will, to that real power. See, my dad spent years on the battlefield of whatever war-torn place he lived in, Beirut, Kuwait, Iraq, Somalia, Afghanistan. He shared with me that after being hit by friendly fire and going without medical attention for seven days, he prayed and made a deal with God that he would bring him home. He said that because of all the sinning he's done in his life, he was sure that God would let him into heaven, that he would just make him work the gates. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, that's not how it goes. I'm like, Dad, you were saved from death in that desert because God wanted to save you. He wasn't done with you yet. He didn't save you because you bargained with him but I know what will save you. <laughs> but this brings up another problem for my dad. He doesn't think he needs a savior. The idea that Jesus died for his sins so he could be free is really hard for my dad to accept. Hard work, obedience, and control are his core motivations. And to think that you can earn your way into heaven 
is to envision ourselves equal with God, and that's not a thing. So faith without Jesus is faith in nothing. When we accept this free gift, his righteousness comes to live in us. Now he can produce through us what he could have never, we could never do ourselves, never. Oh, I love, oh my gosh, I have all these slides I'm not looking at, sorry. <laughs> sorry, y'all. Where is the one? Oh. oh, here we go. Thank you, Amy. Arthur Paul David Tripp writes, Human righteousness, human self-righteousness rather, denies the need for the saving, enabling grace of Christ. Human righteousness embraces the cruelest of Satan's lies, that a person can be righteous by keeping the law. If that were true, there would be no need for the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Like the power strip plugged into itself, we cannot be righteous in ourselves. So this is why Paul is so emotional. Paul's grieved by this. There's a sense of urgency here for his friends. They're not hearing him. You guys know how that feels. He knows the Gentiles are over it. Sometimes we want to put our Jewish friends in a box and be like, those old rule followers, they can't get with the program. But I challenge us to think about our own self-righteousness here. How do we make ourselves equal with God? How do we choose our own self-righteousness above his? So seeking righteousness can look a whole lot of ways. Perfectionism, control, morality, the I'm a good person thing. Making deals with God, comparisons, judgment, overconfidence, self-reliance. How about Christian favorites like all the projects we sign up for? Sometimes praying or reading our Bibles because we have to check it off the list for the day. We foolishly think we can produce righteousness in the energy of our own flesh. Somehow, if we are good enough, we can gain God's approval. Okay, so here's my dinosaur. And I just thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> so I had to include that. But it's true! <laughs> so as I pondered this, I considered two of my own kids. My Irish twins, born 18 months apart, our beautiful middle daughters, Olivia, who's 14, and Lucy, who's 12. Not in this picture, but... And I can tell you, you can look at this and see how opposite they are. I personally, that's like one of the best pictures I've ever taken at the fair. I've got one daughter holding on for dear life, and the other one that's like, whatever! <laughs> so they certainly are very different. So my girl here, this is Liv, and she's our second child and our oldest, our first girl. And she has a huge heart, loves to march to the beat of her own drum. She wants to stand out, be different from her older brother, Liam. If Liv were here today, she would confess to you she's a people pleaser. She follows rules. She loves to dance, sing, and be on stage. She's very good at holding on to her emotions and letting them out at the exact right moment. Her core motivation is to be loved. Here's Lucy, on the other hand. You'll understand this picture in a minute. So she's our third child and second girl. She has forged her own path, playing her bassoon and becoming a leader in some of her school spaces. She values justice. Things have got to be fair. She doesn't seek approval, but wants people to do what they said they would do. Lucy is all about experience. The experience has got to be great, and she will risk it all for that to happen. 
Lucy does not hold back when she's emotional. When she's angry, you will know. And if she were right here now, she would confess to you that she literally has to put her hands over her mouth to stop all the wrong words from coming out. <laughs> her core motivations are independence and control. So obviously I don't have to tell you we are absolutely mad about them. Ken and I just completely are amazed by how God's shaping them up for his work. But they are both McCrays, and at the end of the day, they are more alike than they realize. Like Jew and Gentile, they are both deeply in need of a savior. Liv thinks righteousness can be found in rules, and Lou thinks it's found in independence. My dad finds righteousness in control. Who's right? In verse 5, we get the answer. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. So in other words, if you think you can be good enough and you can obey the law, then God says, okay, you be responsible for all of it. You don't obey just one law at a time. You have to be obeying all the laws at all the times. No person can do that. Liv and Lou can't do that. The, my dad can't do that. The Jewish people of this time couldn't do that. So in effect, we condemn ourselves by choosing our own righteousness. And they did not pursue what God wanted for them. They did not pursue it by faith, and they complicated a very simple offer. The offer is simple. This is a very accessible offer to us. Beginning in verse 5, Paul is doing exactly what he does often, which is using Old Testament context that his Jewish friends would understand. He's like, remember what Moses said to get their attention. They didn't whip out their Bibles and be like, chapter and verse, Paul. They would have had these stories saved up. They, they would have had these words stored in their mind, passed down for generations. So when he brings up the commandments, they would, they would know that in Deuteronomy 30.11, Moses said, for this commandment which I command you today is not too difficult, nor is it out of reach. Faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you will be saved. So Old Testament Moses here is helping New Testament Paul drive this point home. It is accessible. It is clear. Oh, sorry. I got a little overzealous there. And you really don't have an excuse. Like, remember Romans 1? We don't have an excuse. And in our hearts, we say with our words, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways. The Jews were tempted likely to be like, Paul, check, we obey God already. But it's out of a loving relationship that he wants our obedience, not because we think it's going to get us something. In Matthew 22, um, someone asked Jesus, what are the two greatest commandments? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, your neighbor, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is where that power strip gets plugged in, y'all. It's in the knowledge of what true righteousness is. It's not following a list of rules. 
It's loving him so much for who he is and what he has done that we want to do his work. None of it in our own, in our own strength and only for his glory. Obedience was never supposed to be straight obedience, do it or else. But a loving obedience, he wants obedience from our heart. So this was a real big mind shift for me. This isn't this linear thing that we can sometimes attribute to whatever part of the Bible we're studying. Oversimplifying this, like God wanted obedience of the law in Old Testament and then the New Testament, he sent Jesus for the heart. We miss the overwhelming and life-changing idea that God always wanted our hearts. He never changed. He will never change. From the first day of the garden to the day you accepted Jesus as your Savior, he has always wanted your heart in your action and on your lips. So let's look at verse 9 one more time, but you know I like to convert things to the message just because of how it reads. So Paul's like, everybody listen, for those in the back, that's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. So a few weeks back during Mission G, our outreach pastor, Tim, was going over the story of the prodigal son with the teams the very last night of the mission. And this was the night that I got there. I mean, I literally had just gotten there maybe a half hour before. I went to uh, my Bible quickly after we got back to our place we were staying at to reread the story again because it's always been one of my favorites but there was something that he said that I just really grabbed when he when I was listening but like so many times before God's like pushing me to reread this and if you aren't familiar with this story it's in Luke 15 it's a story of a wayward son that demanded his inheritance before his father died which would have been like wishing him dead um, and he wanted to run off and just go do what he wanted and after coming to the end of himself, he comes home broken to a father who was waiting for his return. And in verse 20, it reads, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He ran. Y'all, he ran. This made me think about how God in all of his goodness is running after us. What a great way to look at our Father. His righteousness running after us. Romans 10 is so powerful because it makes us choose, very simply, him or me. Simple or complicated. Life or death. Plugged into power or plugged into nothing. Abundance of life or continually at the end of ourselves. A savior that's running after me, or running on the endless treadmills of myself. Free righteousness with no price tag, or paying over and over again for nothing. He is the only way. So, in God's perfect timing this week, as I struggled to put pen to paper for all the thoughts in my head about this passage, I prayed for God to give me clarity about his righteousness. Give me the words, God. This song came on the radio as I was driving. It's by one of my favorite gospel singers, C.C. Winans. 
And it was like the perfect description of what happens when we finally stop chasing the circles and we lay our lives down and give him everything. Just like Israel, just like the Gentiles, just like the prodigal, just like my dad, just like my girls, just like me, he comes running towards us with his righteousness. And we cannot help but sing about his goodness as a result. So I want to share that song with you today. So if you guys would all stand with me. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God cause all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness
Let's pray together. God, we do declare that you are so, so good. Thank you for running after us. Thank you for never leaving us, never forsaking us, being so incredibly faithful to us. We love you. Would you give us courage to go forth and to, to have your word on our lips, in our hearts and on our lips, and give us strength, God, your power through your spirit. In Jesus' name.